Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Wiggins. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins, America. Set foot in America one fine today. Sailing into Baltimore well everything's okay. Put hands on the jacket, shining like the brand new dark. Listening in the sunlight, blistering my eyes. When you said that you loved me, I knew it wasn't true. I've one hundred and night messages, but not a single note. Trisha, I'm going to ask you a question. I think I already know the answer. Great. When you were considering in your deep analysis of the Iowa caucuses, yeah, mm-hmm. did you Thought think long and hard? I, I, that's why I, I framed it this way. Yeah. Um, did you think that it's over? This, this is everybody else should drop out now, or did you think no, no, this is just the beginning? Is it over? or Is it the beginning? Oh, that's a great question and one that I've thought a lot about. I know you have. A lot, a lot about. Uh, The numbers would indicate that it's over, in my opinion. My personal feeling is that I wish that uh, there were more of a race and that I had more spirited debates to watch and that I could make. I I feel like I have less of a choice post-Iowa than I had before Iowa. Okay. And I don't love that. Now, you're saying this as a voter. As a voter. Not as a communications director or whatever you are. Brand manager. Brand manager. (laughs) (laughs) Because a lot of times I'll ask you these questions, Mm -hmm. and I don't really know exactly what perspective you're sharing. Because sometimes you want to keep things interesting. thinking as a voter. Okay. I also am saying that from a programming standpoint. Okay. I wish that there was more competition. I think that it would make for better... Coverage. I'll tell you what, from the coverage angle, these debates have just been a thud. The first one was kind of if interesting. If everyone was participating, they'd be great. Oh, yeah. If Trump was in them, they would have been a lot of fun to watch. Right. 
uh, the fact that he hasn't been mm-hmm. meant that that to me that first one was interesting because this was the first time you had seen DeSantis, Haley, Christie, Mike Pence at the time. Asa Hutchinson, whoever that is. Yeah, that guy, Doug Burgum. Doug Burgum. I mean, yeah. these people weren't on my radar, but some of those people were. I mean, Mike Pence was one that you're like, this guy was the vice president of the United States, and now he's going to debate to try to become president against the guy who's currently running, who was his running mate. And is not on the stage. Which is why it would have been fun for everybody to be on the stage. I wish. And I think Iowa solidified Trump's decision to stay out of the debates. I think he, I understand his strategy. I respect that. I get it. Politics are a game as a voter and as somebody that both programs and consumes media. I wish that I got to hear more back and forth between these guys. As a programmer, I agree. It would be a lot more fun if Trump was involved in all this stuff. As a voter, I actually don't care. In most instances, I would say if you're a runner, not just the front runner, if you're doing anything trying to become the next candidate for a major political party, you should be in the debates. However, because he was the former president of the United States, you already know what you're going to get in voting for him. So you can either decide to vote for somebody who's going to do what he did or vote for somebody who's promising to do something else or do similar to what he did. So it's a weird situation with him because he's already been president, Mm -hmm. but he's not the incumbent. So it's kind of odd. But Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask that question just because we're going into New Hampshire already. We're closer to New Hampshire now than we were Iowa. Do you have any predictions for what you're going to see here? I don't. I'm not a predictor. Uh, Do you think that New Hampshire is going to look drastically different than Iowa? I do think it'll look different mainly because DeSantis is probably going to be a non-factor in New Hampshire. I don't know that he'll You think Nikki Haley will come in second in New Hampshire? Oh, yeah, for sure. For Hmm. sure. Uh, I just, I don't know whether she can beat Trump. The the reason why it might be a story is because you have a lot of Democrats who crossed over to vote in Iowa, and they almost all voted for Haley, which says a lot to me about the whole strategy of keep Trump out. That you, If you thought that he was the weakest candidate and you were trying to prop him up, like a lot of people say, well, then you'd have a lot of Democrats crossing over to vote for Trump because they'd want him to be the candidate that you could mm-hmm. beat easily. That's not the case. They actually just hate Trump. So that tells me a lot of this prosecution that's going on is not meant to prop him up. It is really meant to stop him. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting... Doesn't that look bad uh, for the Republicans in a general mm-hmm. then if he's a nominee? Meaning that the hatred for Trump is going to drive out the vote more than the love for Trump would? Yes. But then you'd think that he was the most vulnerable candidate. Right. And I don't know that polling-wise it shows that way. Not just with the the, the caucuses and the, the primaries, but when you put him up against Joe Biden in a general, I mean, he's polling better than DeSantis is now against Biden. Uh, yes, I I don't disagree and I'm not uh, a pollster in any way so I can't like I have no basis here except for gut feeling that if you have a Biden Trump election again which it looks like it, that could be the case mm-hmm. I think that there is a good chance that more people will come out to vote against Trump than will to come out to vote for Trump which gives us another yeah. four years of what we've got. So since we're kind of steering in this direction now, <clears throat> I'll make this point that I was uh, I was kind of kicking around in my head that I, I think this is one of the most important points going into this election that's not being talked about. And part of it is 
the very reason we were just saying we, we talk about things from kind of this thirty thousand foot view. Um, the traditional model for turnout has been talk your candidate up, tear the other candidate down, whether that comes from media or ads mm-hmm. or campaigns or whatever, and blanket the United States with that message as much as you possibly can. Democrats have changed that model to be the instead of the way up here vote, the cloud view, the ground view. They have changed that to be ground game. And I think the most important thing that's going to happen in 2024 is to see if Republicans have caught up with that ground game. Because there's a lot of people talking about it. And there's some organizations out there doing the work. But have they actually caught up? Because when you saw Iowa, it was a total of about 14% of all registered Republicans came out for that caucus. And that's lower than usual. You could say it was bad weather, because it was. It was very, very cold. But even if they got their predicted turnout, they were still only going to be at maybe 18 to 19% of all registered Republicans in the state, which means you have a whole lot of people who have a whole lot of opinions who could shape the way the entire election goes in Iowa. I mean, you're the first and they just didn't show up Mm -hmm. and they never do. And it's not just Republicans. That's Democrats, too. That's just people. Democrats have gotten very good at reaching those people who do believe what they believe. They just don't show up to ever cast a ballot through mail-in for whatever. They show up now at their door or at their place of work or at a soccer game or whatever. They show up and they get those votes. Have Republicans caught up? To me, that is the only story left in elections because we can talk up here all we want, Mm -hmm. but it's those people doing the groundwork. And we've talked to a couple of these people this week on the Andy Fry Show, actually. Who are doing that groundwork? Tyler Bauer is one of them with TPUSA, and they've got infrastructure for these things. They need people. Do they have the people? I don't know. I think that's going to be the decider to me of what decides twenty twenty four. Sure. I and my and my question to that is: Do you have the motivating factor at that thirty thousand foot view with these candidates? Yeah. And I think that both of these candidates have. I think Trump does have some motivating factor for his base, but I think that some of his base has been lost since the loss of that election and not because of the January 6th stuff. All of that aside, I think some people were just like, man, you got in your own way and it cost us the election. And I think that there's some disenfranchisement there. Um, Obviously, there's not a ton of support for Biden, but it's the question to me will still be. Are there enough people that hate Trump that'll go vote for Biden? Is that number combined mm-hmm. with the with the people that are willing to get off the couch on either side going to be enough? Is that it's it just how many people stay home is yeah. what it comes down to. Like it's, saying. And it's, it really is all about Trump. Yeah. Then because it's not about Biden. It's 100 percent not about Biden. I mean, people. But that makes. But then if something happens to Biden, say something happens last minute, somebody rides in on a white horse and they get to be the nominee. I don't know how that works legally, but I'm just saying, say that happens. I think that, again, the party, the Republican Party is very, very vulnerable with and Trump. I, I've been, we can end on this. I've been very, very consistent and still believe that it's going to be Biden. Most people, even here at 97.1. There's a split. Um, really don't think, I, they think it's going to be tough because the later it gets, mm-hmm. the harder it gets. And we're getting pretty late in that process now. So I'm feeling fairly confident in my prediction. But. It's still possible at the nominating convention that they could pull out a surprise. and That is legally possible. It would be very weird, mm-hmm. but it is possible. 
So what do you think? I mean, we can end on that and come back with another subject. Um, I think that there are people as smart, if not smarter, than we are looking at this that don't want him to be the nominee and will will try to figure out how to make that work. And I've seen crazier things happen in politics. So you don't think it's going to be Biden? Come November. Come November. I'm about 50-50 on it. Of course. Oh, that's nice and safe. I mean, it's it's true. I think I, I... Okay, 60-50 that it won't be him. 60-50. Slightly more that it won't be him. And only because of his age and he might trip. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I know it's terrible, but a a fall would end his next campaign. Yeah. This campaign for him. That's what a lot of people say is that it's going to be health related. And it could be something that is unplanned. And a lot of people are going, could be something that's planned also. Mm So, wow, 60-50. I didn't even know that was possible. (laughs) 60-50, 60-40. Hush. All right, uh, quick break. We're going to come back with Trisha. A couple more subjects I want to touch on before we end this uh, little rant that we're on here. We'll be right back. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Okay, we were talking off air about this Read Through the Bible in a Year app that you're using. At least just share the app because I'm not familiar with it. Sure. It's called... Do, do, do... The Bible Project. The Bible Project. Yes, and it comes up. It just says Holy Bible, uh, the app in the App Store, and it's great. So every day it goes through and tells... Because remember when this all started because I wanted to read the Bible. It was. I think it was last year at this time. Yes, cover to cover. I'm restarting this. (laughs) (laughs) Because you didn't get through Genesis. It was tough. It was really (laughs) tough. So I'm back on Genesis, but at least this is guided and structured, which I believe one of our listeners had suggested this app or a similar one. So thank you. Um, I should have taken your advice back then. So I've started over. I'm on day. Today was day seven, which got me through Genesis. Actually, today was day six. It got me through Genesis 21. So I'm clipping along here uh, every day. Oh, you're that, so you're that far into the book then? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Um, it's giving you several chapters per day, which is much more than I read per day. Well, it's fun too. Like day one is Genesis 1 through 3 and then Psalms 1. 
Okay. So it's got you do a devotional with a little video, and then it it's guided, and but it also the Psalms kind of goes with what you're reading yeah. at the beginning. So that's the way most of those are. Yeah. Uh, I started this last year with you. Where are you? I am not all the way through, but I've stuck with it. This is my last year's New Year's resolution, I guess, was to read straight through the Bible again, which I had done, but it had been a number of years since I'd just read straight through. And I am in first or second chronicles right now. I can't remember. I think I might be in second. So I, I'm getting a lot of perspective on history, which I am now as a 42 year old person versus when I was in my twenties reading straight through the Bible. It just reads different because sure. you have a better understanding of the world, I think, mm-hmm. and people and the fact that the more things change, the more they stay the same that kind of stuff. When you're going through these Old Testament, you're like, oh, that's why they were doing this. That's why they're doing this. Okay. That's why we have this now, or even phrases that have come out of things like, oh, have you seen the writing on the wall? Well, that's a biblical phrase, you know, mm-hmm. these like things like that, just random stuff that I'm picking up. Oh, that's it. fun. Yeah. It's actually pretty cool. I've, I look I've really forward to that. It. Yeah. Um, so switching gears a little bit though, let's talk about something completely modern. Still talking about storytelling though. I want to read to you a bit of this article that I have from Variety. It actually comes from The Guardian, though. It says, Willem Dafoe, who also played Jesus, by the way, in one of the worst depictions of Jesus possible. What was that? Uh, the Last Temptation of Christ. Huh. I didn't realize he played Jesus ever. That was... He's a great actor. One of his first big roles hmm. was playing Jesus. But this didn't work. What's that? The, his performance here didn't work. Not the performance. His performance is great. He's a good actor. That movie was basically what would have happened if Jesus decided to get off of the cross and live a life. (laughs) And you're like, well, I guess artistically that's interesting, but they took a, they took so many liberties that you're like, this isn't even a, this isn't anything like Jesus, you know? (laughs) So it's, it's it's just taking a story that people are familiar with Mm -hmm. and completely altering it. So if you look at it religiously, you're like, well, this is blasphemous. If you look at it just artistically, you're like, well, I guess you did something different with a very well-known story. Mm-hmm. That's the best I could say. But, you know, it was just whatever. It was very controversial at the time. It was like the 80s. So very, very controversial movie. So Willem Dafoe recently told The Guardian that more difficult movies, speaking of, more challenging movies usually fail to perform well on streaming platforms because... Most subscribers just want to go home and watch something stupid. <laughs> Agree or disagree? Well, I I don't know about more difficult, but just the subject matter being more difficult. I don't know about that. Where where would like an Oppenheimer fall in that? Because that was a box office hit, and that was hours and hours of very serious content. Well, you're hitting on something there, though. That was a box office hit. That wasn't a streaming hit. Oh. And that's what he's saying. Got it. Got it. Got it. I'm sorry. I, m- I missed the streaming part. I thought we were just yeah. talking about popularity no, he's talking about streaming platforms. He says there's a problem, and he says that's a problem for him because his movies are often more dense and challenging. Yeah, I just watched The Lighthouse. Have you seen that? Is that him? Yeah. <laughs> no, I have not seen it that. It was challenging. That was is, it? It was... I, that's kind of where I went with this. Ew. Uh, I think he's a great actor. Uh, I, he, he, I sometimes I think he takes roles that are so far off the mainstream that 
they're just excited to be movies, you know? They're like the I kind agree. of films that are like really <laughs> proud of themselves for being films. Yes. So they do all the weird stuff. <laughs> like there's a reason some stuff is mainstream. There's a reason that special effects work. There's a reason that good dialogue works. There's a reason you need dialogue. I, there's just, there's certain things that... Uh, I think he like he's very uh, an artsy actor. I think man, he I think himself. you're nailing it. I mean, those movies, a lot of his movies that are not mainstream because he's in some that are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's the thing with actors of his caliber, well known names who continue to be well known names because some people peak and then they fall. Defoe's been an actor for a long, long time. Well, the way he's done that is by being in one movie every year or two that's pretty mainstream, and if it does well, great. If it doesn't, oh well. But he supplements all of his time by doing indies mm-hmm. or smaller movies. And that's the way a lot of actors do. I mean, James Franco was trying to do this for a while. He's a, yes. He just wasn't quite as good at uh-huh. doing the indies as William Defoe is. So he mentioned they mentioned movies like The Northman, which I've never seen, Inside, which I have seen, and Poor Things, to name a few. Inside, just among those three is a movie about a guy, just like you said, sometimes a movie needs dialogue because you need to tell people what's going yeah, on. Yeah, you need a story like, you <laughs> to, need, build a, to build the world. You need to need... either create a relationship between people mm-hmm. or just have exposition when somebody walks up and goes, hey, sis, you go, oh, they're related. Yeah. You know, it's like that's you don't exposition. Have, they don't have to talk much more Like yeah. once, you, once you put that piece yeah. of information out there. but And exposition can be mm-hmm. stupid if you do it very poorly. Like if somebody walks up and goes, you know what... Uh, my friend, when our dad was younger, and you go, that was a way of telling when you that I these was, people were since brothers. Since I've always been two years older than you. Like, yes, yeah, yeah. so you're like, all okay. right, all right. <laughs> a little too on the nose there. So I get why actors are like, oh, oh, oh I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> but there's a sweet spot in between that makes things successful. Yeah, you got to push things along, mm-hmm. and you got to realize that if people aren't glued, this is kind of his point, if people aren't glued to the screen, you got to grab them every now and then and remind them what's going on and keep pushing it on. And a lot of streaming is like that. So I do understand what he's saying. But Inside, for instance, was a movie about a guy, Willem Dafoe, who gets trapped in an apartment. And it's got all these themes of like, oh, everybody's so connected, but we're really so distant. Mm -hmm. And like, I can see all these beautiful things, but I can't experience them. Like, okay, I get your themes, but they're obvious they weren't that uh-huh. deep. <laughs> and the movie was just okay because it was kind of boring. It was him trying to escape a, not self-aware, but like a very modern apartment with everything you might need. But he couldn't quite communicate with the outside world in it. And he gets trapped in it. So he ends up, I don't want to get up like the whole story away, mm-hmm. but he ends up having to survive in an apartment that he can't get out of. But there's almost no dialogue. Mm-hmm. So it is kind of boring. Mm-hmm. And that's my thing mm-hmm. is that if you're going to compete in the marketplace of movies, maybe you just need to alter the kind of movies you're making uh-huh. and just do ones that are, you know, still go deep, go deep. That's fine. But maybe change the way you're approaching them, because this is a medium that is all about entertainment. If people are not entertained by your movie or whatever you're making, they're just not going to pay attention to it. I think this it's the same for me. People get mad about like certain artists being super popular, or certain films, certain TV shows. There's a reason they're popular. You might not, it might not be your cup of tea. As an actor, you might, or a singer-songwriter, you might think these things are beneath you, but they're, they're, things are mainstream for a reason. And if you don't want to be part of that, respect. 
But you can't get mad when you're outside of that, when you're actively working outside of that, that it's not falling into that category. Yeah. A lot of actors are saying this. Uh, Matt Damon's another one who used he said, I used to make a lot more independent films that were a little heavier. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. But he said the infrastructure just isn't there to support them anymore because DVDs aren't as big anymore. And usually they said a movie would not do great at the box office, but you'd sell you know, a hundred thousand DVDs and then they're fine. You're doing pretty good. Well, you're not having that anymore because you got just streaming. Well, and an interesting thing about streaming that's changed in our society, like how we watch and consume where I don't ever sit down to stream anything where I'm not also on my phone, where I'm not also getting up to flip a load of laundry or, you know, check the whatever's on the stove. Our attention spans are so short that if there's not punchy, funny dialogue, a good twist that keeps you going, we as a society don't have the same attention span we used to have. I agree. And that's what his point is. And so I do think there is a point being made here. He says the kind of attention that people give at home isn't the same. More difficult movies, more challenging movies cannot do as well when you don't have an audience that's really paying attention. That's a big thing. I miss the social thing of where movies fit in the world. You go see a movie, you go out to dinner, you talk about it later, and then it spreads out. Now people go home, they say, hey, let's watch something stupid tonight. (laughs) And they flip through movies for probably 10 or 15 minutes before they might even say, forget it, I'm going to go to bed. Or they watch the first 10 minutes of a movie. Yep. And then you're done with it. You might pick it up later. Well, and some of the heavier stuff works better in TV show form because we're we're fine with watching smaller. I just started yeah. watching. Did you ever watch any of the True Detectives on no, HBO? I'm familiar with it. They're great. I've never watched it. Uh, but they're heavy. The content's pretty heavy. They are mysteries, so they keep you going. Okay. But they're, you know, you only at any given time, they only demand 45 minutes to an hour of your attention as opposed to. The Lighthouse, which asked me to sit there for three hours, and I think there was a total of ten words in it, <sighs> and a lot of screaming, and some weird nudity, and <laughs> That's William some weird angles. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, yeah. like, I, I mean, I know, be a little bit self-aware of what you're putting out. It sounds like Matt Damon kind of was, uh, yeah. where it sounds like, to me, it sounds like Willem Dafoe's kind of, like, complaining about it without taking any responsibility. I, yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, I think you're spot on. I think he's got points to be made here, mm-hmm. but I think that you're spot on, that you can still make deep stuff. You just got to alter a little bit the way you're making it. I don't love the TikTok generation. I don't love the fact that we are right now, you know, Gen Z is going to be adults someday. Do those adults only watch movies that last 60 seconds? Right. <laughs> because that's what they're it's, training. I know. And we're not that. We mm-hmm. can watch longer things. But what about them? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, and so. I don't know what about me in 20 years because I know myself now and I, it is. It's different. It's very different. Yeah. I'm often, you know, checking emails, scrolling through social media. Sometimes I'm reading and I've got the TV on in the background. But that's always the way TV has been, you know? Even but when it was just traditional TV, you'd always just kind of leave it on. I do find myself, honestly, when the more we talk about it, I do find myself less likely to turn on movies anymore. I just don't watch movies very much anymore because yeah. I know I watch it's a lot investment. of it. It's an investment. And I watch a lot of the same stuff. Like I will always have Friends, The Big Bang Theory, The Mindy Pro. You know, I've got my handful of yeah. New Girl, different shows that I'll throw on in the background that I've seen a thousand times where I, it will keep me company, but I'll do other stuff. To Willem Dafoe's point. You just want something stupid. I, I kind of do. All right. He's right. He's right. Touche. Touche, <laughs> Will. All right. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. More Wings America. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yesterday, last night, I'm driving home from a random practice with my daughter, who's nine years old. And it was about 7 o'clock. And she was hungry. I think we had eaten not quite a full dinner beforehand. And it was just kind of like, a, hey, just get through so that we can get through the practice. Once we get done, we'll get some dinner. So nobody had really communicated this all the way. So we didn't have plans. We were just driving home, me and her. And she said, Dad, I'm hungry. And I said, okay, well, we'll get some dinner at home. And she goes, can we get some fast food? And I said, I don't. I said, let me think about it for a second. And about 10 seconds later, I said, no, I think it just it's going to be quicker and easier and cheaper if we just go home and we'll get something, you know, kind of light or easy at home. And she goes, uh, okay. And I could tell she really wanted fast food. And she said, I really wanted fast food. And I said, well, sorry, uh, we're going we're gonna to eat at home tonight. A few seconds go by. She goes, dad, I'm really mad. And I don't remember she said mad at you or just mad or whatever. She's, she's not mean. Uh, she just was conveying. She's like, I, my, the emotion I'm feeling right now, Dad, is anger. And I said, why? Because you didn't get to eat fast food? <laughs> and she said, yeah, yeah. And I said, well, sorry. If, if there was any chance that you were going to get fast food, <laughs> you're definitely not going to get it just because you didn't get your way. And she said, I'm sorry. I can't control the way I feel. And do you know what? So my question is, what would you respond to that? I, I get that she was mad that she didn't get her way. I, I understand that. I get mad when I don't get my way many times. But what would you have said to that? Because what I said to that was, yes, you can. You can control the way you feel. You know, I think spiritually speaking, this is a lesson that I tried to learn. This is what I tried to convey to her, too, is that God doesn't always say yes to me either, honey. <laughs> when he says no, it doesn't mean that he doesn't love me or that uh, I should uh, stomp and run away. There are two ways that you can properly react when God says no to your request. One is that you can accept it and move on and trust that he knows better than you do. That's faith. The other, though, which is just as okay is to petition God and say, you know what, I, but I really want this. And then God can still say, and, and many times does, still say no, but you can look at biblical examples at times that he says, okay, if you're petitioning me like the persistent widow, then I'm going to change my mind. And sometimes that's to your benefit, and sometimes it's not. But either one of those things is okay. So I communicated that to my daughter. And what was amazing was, is that when she realized that the answer was to her question, well, I can't control the way I feel. No, the answer is, yes, you can control the way you feel. I thought, gosh, if that's not a lesson we need to learn as a society, we have let our feelings dictate us way more than we've realized that we can control our feelings. Now, I'm not saying every reaction you have is fully controllable. Sometimes stuff happens. But overall... To assume that you can't control your feelings means you are not in control at all. You are without self-control. 
And that is we have built entire policies. We've built basically our modern day philosophy around that statement. Well, I can't control the way I feel. The answer to that is yes, you can. You can control the way you feel. I just thought that was an important lesson, especially for a nine-year-old in the environment that we live in. Short break, right back with Pacific Legal to talk about the administrative state. Are they being dismantled by the Supreme Court? We'll find out. 97.1 FM Talk, this is Wiggins America. Save the best for last year. Luke Wake is on the phone with us with Pacific Legal. He's an attorney with Pacific Legal. Uh, The reason that Luke is here is because I keep hearing so much about the Supreme Court taking on the administrative state. Well, that perks my ears because I want to know what's going on, but I really don't know what that means. That's why we have the expert here. Luke, thanks for being here. It is a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. So, Luke, uh, which case, there's, there's multiple here, I understand. So which case do we start with? Well, look, we have a lot of work to do in rolling back the administrative state and, and regaining control over our government. But the good news is there's there's a couple different cases in the Supreme Court right now that uh, if, if they go the right way, will be significant steps in the right direction. Uh, probably most significant right now for most of us uh, in my world who are, who are fighting uh, against you know, overreach from the government every day are following most closely the Loper-Bright case, which was argued uh, just yesterday. And that case concerns this question about to what, whether and under what circumstances should courts just um, more or less rubber stamp at, at an agency's assertion of regulatory power. This is called the Chevron deference doctrine, where courts just defer to the government's position when interpreting ambiguous statutes. So are we hoping here for a Supreme Court ruling that would say, no, the court should actually get involved in the facts of the case and not just trust the government? Well, it, it, it's it's not in government we trust, right? Look, my my uh, my position, PLF's position, is that the courts should be given the best interpretation of the statutory text. We shouldn't be get putting a thumb on the scale for the government to allow uh, these regulatory agencies to basically pursue whatever political regulatory agenda they want. We have to give fair reading to the text and, and, and follow the text where it goes, call strikes, strikes, and balls, balls. But what we have right now with this Chevron deference doctrine, which has existed since, since I was born in 1984, it, it is the tie goes to the runner, and the runner is always the government. Well, if, if, that, if we're going to have a tiebreaker rule, the tie should go to the citizen because we are – the government serves us, not the other way around. Yeah, exactly. And so is that the marquee case that we're talking about here? Because I know we are talking about a few. Well, look, that I think is the highest stakes case uh, right now. If you're concerned about the, the administrative state, there's another big case right now pending in the Supreme Court, the Jarkissi case. This is a Jark versus SEC. This is about a question about whether or not you can be hauled in front of an administrative tribunal uh, and, and whether or not – so basically these agencies have these kangaroo courts. When they, when they say you violated their regulations, oftentimes you don't get a day in front of a real judge, in front of a real court, until after you've gone before this kangaroo court with the agency. And then the, the courts, when you finally do go through that whole process – the courts are very deferential at the end of the day to that kangaroo court 
in, in front of the, the federal agency that you just went through. That's not due process. That's not how the law is supposed to work in this country. And we're very hopeful that this, the, the Jarkissi case, if it's decided right, of course, will um, clarify that, no, you do have a right to be in court, in a real court. With with all of the rights that entails, including the right to have a jury, that you know that that all of those rights are taken away from you. Your due process is taken away if you have to appear before these these agency courts, these kangaroo courts. Gosh, that's such an interesting. So so much of this stuff is coming to light right now. I and mean, you said the Chevron one has been in place since 1984. You know, this is stuff that has been kind of just eased in that we've all not really paid much attention to until now, which I guess is a good thing that we're now being made aware that these things exist. But it's almost when you're talking, Luke, it's as if there's an entire different set of government and rules for the administrative state than the rest of the way the whole constitution was supposed to work. Well, you know, and part of the problem is we've, we've essentially cut, cut little holes in the constitution uh, over, over the years to enable uh, the, the rise and rise of the administrative state. So, you know, our work at Pacific Legal Foundation is we're, we're taking on cases and, and trying to help shape the law, get precedent so that we can restore the constitution and prevent uh, the, the government from essentially doing whatever it does. But look, if you, you know, if you're you might not think about these regulatory issues until you are, you know, in the crosshairs. If you're running a small business uh, and you're dealing with regulation every day, you know, it's only a matter of time before you you get hit with <laughs> yeah. with one of these problems. Yeah, that's the thing is that so many of these things. When you talk about the individual case, you know, most Americans' eyes glaze over because they go, "Well, I'm not involved in the water rights of Wyoming and private citizens versus the you know these things that you go, well, it doesn't have any bearing on me." But it really does when it becomes you that the it, that it's kind of it's coming against, and eventually that's the whole goal is that it will be you that it's coming against because they would have so much control that they could do whatever they want. Luke, I, I got to ask, what is the so with Pacific Legal? What is the case that Pacific Legal is involved with the most among this myriad of cases that we're talking about right now? Well, we filed amicus briefs in the Loper Bright case, for example, and I think that's that's the one about Chevron deference that that you know we're we're all watching on pins and needles to see if the court will scale back Chevron deference, and that is because. It, that when when we say the, the tie goes to the runner and the runner is always the government, that is such a leg up for for the government, and and, and it enables them to get away with uh, imposing regulation uh, and, and essentially skirting Congress, going around the proper process of making law. They can do what they want if they get this. So that's going to have an impact on a lot of the cases that we're working on. And look, we're constantly bringing cases up to the Supreme Court. We had we won you know, three cases in the Supreme Court last year, and we're, and we're hoping to build on that success. And, and hopefully the cases we're talking about here, that of course we, we filed an amicus brief in the Loper Bright case, we're hoping it comes out the right way. And that's going to help us build on our success and, 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 and work together uh, with, with all of our uh, you know, freedom-loving friends out there to try to restore the Constitution. And, and you know, again, it's a, it's a tall order, but we're, but we're working hard at it. And Luke, when will we know the results of these cases? Is it something that, oh yeah, real soon they're going to let us know, or does that take some time before we know? 
Well, uh, if you're a Supreme Court watcher, you know that uh, June, late June, is is when the really big decision, that's the end of the term. So the most controversial decisions uh, usually come down to the very end of June. So we got to wait in pins and needles. Things could come out earlier than that, but we'll just, you know, ha- have to wait and see. If I had to bet, uh, the, the two cases we'll, I've talked with you about here, the Jargacy case and the Loper Bright case, those are going to come down in in late june so not tomorrow <laughs> so this isn't gonna probably be not tomorrow but you know this the chevron albatross has been around our, our necks <laughs> as for 40 years uh you know we're hoping that we can throw that albatross off and 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 that will open the doors for us to to challenge even more regulation wow i think you just made me realize that 1984 was 40 years ago. I don't know that I put that together, but it really was. Uh, Luke Wake, thank you so much for the work that you do with Pacific Legal. How do people find you and, and connect with Pacific Legal? Well, look, you can always check out PacificLegal.org and reach out to me through there. My contact information is up there. I'm always happy to talk about separation of powers and, and looking for good cases to challenge the, the overreach from the executive branch in particular. So happy to talk. Thank you so much for the information that you're willing to share with us on a regular basis. I really appreciate your expertise. That was Luke w- Luke Wake with Pacific Legal. As usual, just a-, a wealth of information. This is Wiggins America. You can get the podcast by typing in Wiggins America wherever you get your podcast. We will see you next week. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.